We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Ludor. You're listening to the Uncontested What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. You can find us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. I'm your host, Jacob Niffin. Along with me today, I have Nick Crane. Oh my god, look at Shay's muscles. Muscle watch. (laughs) I also have Taylor Peterson. I declare the first pick in the NBA 2020 draft for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I, uh, I'm i into it, man. <laughs> I am into it. Gentlemen, we have uh, some basketball stuff to talk about. We do, thankfully. A little, little bit of news. A, cleanse a little cleanse bit of, the timeline a little bit there earlier today. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of uh, a, a peek maybe into the Thunder coaching staff uh, and who they're looking to hire. Um, some news about the the start of the NBA season, and I might uh, I might drop a hot take. I don't think it's going to be very of a, much of a hot take. I think that at this point in time, at what is it, eight thirty eight p.m. Central Time? Yep. I think on Wednesday. I think forty eight hours from now, we will have the tax and the cap set, and the trade window will be opened. That is awesome. Start talking I, real I, trades. I legitimately think it'll be there. That is in 48 uh, hours, huh? Pretty cool. Yeah, because, I mean, they're voting tomorrow. Yeah. Let, let, let's just dive right into that. Uh, Woj and Shams have both been reporting. The MBPA has been having discussions with the players around the league, going team by team. And there seems to be an inevitability that they will vote overwhelmingly to start the season on December 22nd. I thought friend of the I pod, Keith, yeah, Keith Smith summed it up perfectly. He said, really, the NBA falls into thirds right now. There's the third of the NBA that has not played since March and desperately wants to start the season as soon as possible. There's the third of the league that went to the bubble but had a short bubble run uh, and and doesn't really care. They basically had a full offseason. 
Yeah, and then there's the third of the NBA who had late bubble runs uh, and probably want to push the start date back. So one-third wants to start in December. One-third wants to start in January. One-third is in the middle. The third in the middle doesn't really care either way, but whenever you throw the financial ramifications into the mixture, the third in the middle is going with December. And so it feels like it's going to be an overwhelming vote. Uh, The MBPA is supposed to vote Thursday night. Uh, At the same time, there will be a Board of Governors discussion as well. They think things are going to get ratified, at which point we should get a set tax and cap levels uh, it seems like it's the the cap will stay flat that's every yeah. re- all the reporting we've heard is the cap will stay flat the tax may stay flat or it may rise slightly um, players are going to lose money on paychecks they're deciding to spread that out over three years instead of i think so Woj reported two yes i think it was uh shams or somebody yesterday said three years but uh today when Woj came out with his uh his i guess report with zach low uh two years and i think they're deciding somewhere in the ballpark of 18 percent uh player salaries will be put in that escrow account um again that, for those Again, I, I'm kind of confused on how that works. Yeah, escrow like, typically means it's like being held out. Well, uh, I, I as, mean, like, I know. Sorry, I know. Like, I know what an escrow is. I mean, like, the way he worded it, the, the two years, like, is will they still get some of that back depending on the revenue? Obviously, that comes in at the end of the first season, or is it literally two years? It's spread out over two years. And I think they at the end of the first it. season they can get some money back. But yeah, oh, the okay. whole idea so for our listeners who don't understand it. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like 18% of their salary of of each paycheck will be held back uh, in a fund for the league. And at the end of the year, when they look at the the basketball revenue, basketball-related income, BRI, uh, the split with the league, with the owners, and with the players is 50-50. And so if the players are already at 50%, then they don't get that 18% back and it goes to the owners. If the players are only at 48%, then some of that money does go back to the players. But it's basically right. you're, you're depositing part of your paycheck into a general fund. So at the end of the year, you can see, did the league have enough money to pay us our full paycheck? Right. Same exact thing as an escrow account you know, on your mortgage. Um, yeah. Same, same concept. Which we know all about that. Taylor and I have recently yeah. moved. So. Yeah, that's right. That I, is right. I want to go back to something you mentioned, Jacob. I could have missed this. There's so much going on and so many things in the air right now. Your take about 48 hours from now, the trade window opening, is there something you've read or something you've heard that makes you think it's going to be definitely before the draft, or is that pure speculation? Um, Someone reported that as soon as they make an agreement on the start of the the NBA season, like whenever they vote on that... um, Basically, we're in a holding pattern now, but once they get next season figured out, if they decide that the season's going to start on December 22nd, then they can put in place those dates for those triggers on like non-guaranteed deals, uh, opt-out dates, all that. And once all that stuff is set, bam, the trade window opens. Now, some teams might not want to trade until they know the cap and the tax for next season. I think that probably comes very like within a day after we figure out when the season will start. I think they've already had those conversations. If they already know how much they're going to hold back in escrow, they already know the tax and the cap. I think we're going to get a massive news dump of all of that stuff. And once they those dates are set, they can open up the trade window. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's interesting news. I, I think... In a perfect world, you know, if I were Adam Silver making big decisions like this, um, I think it makes sense to have a full week before the draft. So the draft's on the 18th, maybe open up a trade window on the 11th. I just feel like 48 hours from now is really early. I think they, I think personally, I think they want to get it open as quick as as possible possible because I think people are probably chomping at the bit. It's kind of like uh, like in the playoffs, right? Like if you're eliminated from the playoffs, playoffs teams and, and other teams not playing in the playoffs are allowed to transact while obviously teams um, going through the playoffs or in the finals or whatever it may be still aren't allowed to. Um, it's a similar situation here. Like tip, typically these teams would have been allowed to transact, but because of COVID and the extended season and everything else, um, you know, they, it, they're kind of frozen right now. So I think you're exactly right, Jacob. Basically, as soon as they come to an agreement um, – on on everything they're deciding on really for this year uh, cba 
related, I guess. You know, I, I think they'll pretty much get the green light, which you really need to before the draft. I mean, there's going to be a lot of draft picks probably involved in some of these I, trades. And I'm sure a lot of conversations are happening right now about trades. Yep. The difficult thing is, again, if you don't know where the tax and the cap line is going to fall, then it becomes a little more difficult to to get deep into those conversations because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I like this deal, but if it puts pushes me into the into the tax, then I don't like it as much, and, and so we'd have to reorganize it and yep. yada, 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 yada. Well, we heard today from uh, I think Shams is the one who who reported that uh, teams are inquire or the Pelicans are having open trade discussions about um, Drew Holiday. Yeah, so they're definitely yeah. It makes me it makes me wonder like if they do have this you know the the transaction window opens this date at this time. Actually, let's make this a little trivia question or a little uh, a little game. The 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 first hour that the quote unquote trade trade window is open and teams are allowed to trade players, would you take the over or the under on three and a half deals are done within the first hour of that opening? First hour, Ooh. I'll go under. First day, I'll go under, but it would be Ooh. it'd be very Ooh. close. I'd probably, first twenty four hours, you're saying I, less than four deals. I'm saying first 24 hours, three deals. So I'm going barely Ooh. under. That, in the grand scheme of things, that does kind of feel like a lot. It's almost like, but this could almost be like trade deadline day, you know, like where deals just come flying out as soon as it's, you know, announced that they're allowed to, or whenever the clock strikes at whatever time. Um, I'm probably taking the under in the first hour for sure, but I think I'd probably lean towards the over um, for the full 24 hours. Here's a question. Does Woj already have um, oh, yes. tweets drafted? Yes, answer's already yes. <laughs> yeah, he's just waiting for the final text. fire him off. The final text. Unload the clip, man. Hey, speaking of um, of of time frames and, and you know being allowed to trade and stuff again, uh, Mark Stein came out today and reported that they're talking about starting free agency uh, that period beginning, but like I think he said, between 48 and 72 hours after the draft on the 18th. Yeah, the draft November. will be Wednesday night, and they're going to start free agency either Saturday or Sunday. So free agency over Thanksgiving. Yep. Hey, <laughs> man, I'm just telling you, we podcast on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Wednesday night is the draft, Whew. so we're going to have to do a post-draft pod. Maybe immediately the next day, drop another pod that's like a free agency primer, and then two to three days later on Sunday night, we're going to do a, a podcast Talking that about is trades. breaking down where free agent signings have happened and or, sorry, who's been traded. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That's going to be the best like three days of podcasting in our lives. <laughs> Ratings through the roof. I can't wait. Um, other things of note with the, the vote that is coming on Thursday. Sounds like training camp will open on December, 20, December 1st. Season starts December 22nd. There will be three preseason games. Uh, the league is trying to eliminate uh, over 25% of travel for teams. Uh, yeah. There will be no fans in the stands as well. So no no surprise there. They're going to play 72 games uh, in, in a compacted timeline. So, man, if you think about it, from November 18th, November to to December, January, February, March, April, May, June. In seven months, we're going to get a draft, free agency, the start of an NBA season, the trade deadline, yeah. the finals, and the playoffs, and then another draft. And, and you're going right to get and you're going to get 33 Thunder wins. <laughs> You're going 33 Thunder wins. No, in a that's game that, that's a that's a total random thrown out number saying that they're going to be taking. I I would not actually go with. Yeah, 33. I was going to say 33 seems yeah. kind of high. Yeah, th- th- yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm going <laughs> give like, me uh, give me t- like give me 20. give me 3.3. Yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that's what I want. Lose Dallas as Cowboys much as possible. Yeah, just pull off a Dallas Cowboys. Let's make it happen. I'm sorry, Nick. Ugh. I've kind of talked shit on the Cowboys on like a couple of pods, and I kind of felt bad, but they deserve it. The Cowboys are bad, so they deserve it. Uh, fair, except fair. CD. CD's a goat. Well, who's going to coach those? Who's going to coach those three point three wins, Jacob? That is a great question, uh, and those I love your uh, wins. <laughs> I love your transition there, Nick. Uh, it's like you've podcasted before or something. Mark Stein on his weekly newsletter uh, through the New York Times has dropped some OKC coaching news. He mentioned three Finally. coaches. 
Yeah, yeah. Three coaches that he believes or that that he knows are candidates for the job. Those would be Will Hardy. We knew that. Uh, Mark Dagnall from the Oklahoma City Thunder. We pretty much knew that. Uh, one that we didn't know, Charles Lee of the Milwaukee Bucks, an assistant with the Bucks. He's been an assistant with. Um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the Bucks. Budenholzer. Budenholzer. Yeah. Mike Budenholzer. He's been an assistant with with uh, Coach Bud for six years. Uh, he also said there are reports out there suggesting that Brian Keefe could also be a candidate. We knew that. And Will Weaver, former New York Nets assistant, current head coach of the Sydney Kings. That was an interesting uh, interesting name thrown in there. But, Jacob, one thing, and you tweeted this out almost immediately after uh, after Stein reported it. All those guys are extremely young. Uh, I, I shouldn't say extremely, but, I mean, they're, they're pretty young, just like uh, us and many others have predicted heading into this coaching candidate search. I think, what did you tweet out? There's like two or three. Uh, Hardy, Lee, and Weaver are all 35 years or younger. Younger, yeah, yeah. Weaver and Hardy are 35. Uh, sorry, Weaver and Lee are 35. Hardy is 32. I do not know how old Dignall or Brian Keefe are. Brian Keefe's in his 50s. I know that. I think he's like 53 or 54. So he's like my dad's age. Charles Lee, I'm, I'm sure you guys saw this influx on Twitter. Um Apparently, he goes by Chuckles. I saw Chuckles that. Chuckles. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. My dog's name is Charles, and I call him Chuckles. Ooh. Interesting. also call him Chuck. I um, like it. Is he named after Charles Barkley? No, but sometimes I do call him Barkley because he's a dog. Barkley, <laughs> Charles Barkley. Yeah, I like it. Uh, proud of myself you know what though, Charles Lee is a, is pretty interesting. Like you said, Jacob, thirty five. Um, I guess this is his sixth season with Coach uh, Coach Bud. Yeah, uh, and it was with him back in Atlanta as well. But uh, Kevin Arnovitz did it, like a, a poll a while back, and a lot of executives mentioned um, Charles Lee's name, and just talking about him being how how great of a coach he, he's going to be. Um, what was the quote? It was like a a five tool. A five-tool coach who is every bit as comfortable having meaningful conversations with a backup point guard as he is dining with a team owner. I think I was listening to the Down to Dunk podcast today. I think they mentioned this as well, but I sent this to you guys last night um, when I was Googling Charles Lee, trying to get some info on him. And uh, people talk really highly of him. So, I, And he's uh, also a, a coach, apparently, who's known for player development. So it, it really makes sense. So I could I could totally see that being a, a good fit. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend like I know a ton about him other than what I've read up on. But Yeah, um, uh, part of the, the Spurs coaching tree, uh, a few branches out, but we know that Bud came from San Antonio and then Charles Lee uh, came from Bud. So it's a couple branches out on the tree, but still connected to the same tree. I do find it interesting that Will Hardy's uh, name keeps getting mentioned over and over. Does that know. make you think that he's less of a candidate because we keep hearing about it? Yeah, that could be. And that's something actually that Mark Stein actually <laughs> he threw in at the end of his uh, – this is like in the newsletter. So that section of the OKC coaching search, he mentioned he was like, but you know, I just can't shake it out of my head that knowing St. Presley is going to be some wild card pick. Kind of like yeah, what he's saying too. So, so tell me what your guys' thoughts are on this because I've I thought about this quite a bit on the Will Hardy front. And not that I don't think – this duo could work with with the age and the discrepancy in the age and all this good stuff but i'm almost wondering like are the thunder uncomfortable hiring will hardy if chris paul might be on the team this upcoming season do you, do you think if if chris were traded let's say jacob's theory is right 48 hours from now the trade window opens somehow the, the thunder trade chris paul in the first couple days of that window does Will Hardy get hired shortly after? Do you think that's a factor in it at all? That's an interesting point, but I think either way, they're just they're looking towards the future now. It's not so much like last season where it could have been a transition year. They weren't really sure. It was kind of dependent on trade offers, etc. Uh, I think this year it doesn't really matter. They're planning for the future, which means getting the right coach in place, which is why St. Press is taking his time. Uh, drafts, draft picks, and then obviously uh, continuing to develop young talent in Shea and Shea and others. So... That you, you, you make a good point there, like hire the guy for the future. I don't have any stats on this. I I just it's hard for me to even think of a team where they went through a complete rebuild and the initial coach that kicked off the rebuild made it all the way through and was the same coach on the back end. You know what I mean? That's an, yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that's fair. I think also though, Nick, that a little bit of context there. 
it seems like ownership and front office management um, get restless a lot of the time as well. Uh, I, I think that you look at the Philadelphia 76ers as a good option. Uh, people want to talk about how Philly did the the whole tanking thing and it didn't work out. Well, Philly never actually got to finish the tank because they fired Sam Hinkie. But kind of like that, you know, they, they fired Sam Hinkie and moved on from him uh, because the the ownership kind of uh, lost their appetite of, of using that strategy. So I wonder if it would be a little bit different in Oklahoma City because ownership has so much trust in Sam Presti, and we know Sam Presti is so incredibly methodical and always has the, the long view in mind, uh, rarely ever worries about short-term success. So I wonder if that would have a little bit of, of a different take here in Oklahoma City. Not saying it would or it wouldn't, sure. but I, I just think it's a... It, it, it's part of the context to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma City runs things a bit differently than a lot of other teams around the league, but it's also like, like with, without it happening, and it's hard for us to forecast all the different directions this team could go, but like three years from now, if Shea doesn't really progress much and they, they move up in a couple drafts and they've got a couple top 10 guys that really aren't painting out, and it's looking like, I'm, I'm not saying that the Thunder are going to turn to the Knicks, but... We always say like the abyss of don't even the mention that. I, but 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 you know what I mean. Like three years from now, if those kinds of things are happening, I don't care about Thunder culture and Presti being methodical and all that kind of stuff. Like you've got to think. Like is it time to change? And that's that's what's made me think. Makes me think like this is a big hire for the Thunder. Like obviously yeah. the next they're, they're going to be they're going to commit to this guy for three, four, five years minimum just because they want continuity. But like I'm not sold that this is the guy on the back end of this rebuild. Well, and and to add context on the other side of the coin, Scott Brooks. And when they got to the end of the rebuild and they were competing for titles, and that's exactly what I was going to do. Yeah, to you know, to spot on. I was going to bring up yep. the Scott, Scott so, Brooks hire uh, or fire, I guess I should yeah, say. <laughs> very, very applicable. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I want to ask you guys of the five names here: Will Hardy, Charles Lee, Mark Dagnall, Brian Keefe, Will Weaver. We did this on the Monday pod. I'm doing it again. Uh, you taking those guys or the field for the for the head coaching position? <sighs> field. See, I, I I feel like this is this list is a little more refined than some of the like, just floating rumors that we were hearing uh, prior to this. Yeah, I to really be honest, wanted, the, the names on Sunday I just pulled out of my ass. Yeah, right, right, exactly. You know, right, or just from like yeah, the very. I got a lot of stuff in my ass, and that's just one of the things I managed <laughs> to get out, out of there. <laughs> uh, but they're like we got the vague I typically report never from Sean, but. <laughs> Jesus! Oh man, uh, well, I think he pulled out. Jacob, I, I, I've, I've got one question for you on this before, um, before we move on from this topic. If you get a guy that's that's thirty two, thirty five, like some of these guys are playing devil's advocate on my own thought earlier, is that not the perfect scenario for the Thunder getting a guy that's good at player development right now while he's early in his head coaching career and on the back end of the rebuild he's 38 39 40 and he's one of the the top coaches in the league kind of like a, a Nick Nurse that that worked his way up as a good assistant and now is a great head coach like isn't that is yeah. that not the best scenario I think that's exactly what they're going for and again I think that's kind of why like you said Nick why Pressy is taking his time with this hire uh not because he's like super unsure, doesn't know what to do, but because he wants to really make sure it's the right kind of coach, like you said, Nick, that can help develop talent. But then come 38, 39, right? When he's 38, 39, 40. So we're talking like year five, six, seven, a rebuild. Uh, the OKC Thunder, he, he's able to coach a championship contender. And uh, that's why I think a guy like Hardy really makes sense. Again, Charles Lee is a really interesting name. Obviously, I had no idea prior uh, <laughs> to Stein's report, but I think he could kind of fit that mold. But I also want to be surprised, I think, if OKC hired from within. And th- th- I thought you were going to take us down this this way uh, earlier, Nick, when you, you mentioned something. But um, is it almost – when you talked about Chris Paul, like is, is it would it be bad to hire a developing coach if you still have Chris Paul on the roster? But I almost think – I thought you were going to bring up you have these two internal uh, OKC coaching head coach candidates, right? They're already within the organization. Is it a bad look – to hire an outside coach like a Will Hardy or Charles Lee when you have two similar and pretty qualified candidates already on the OKC bench, does is it a bad look for your organization? Like, oh, they obviously didn't develop, they aren't developing their coaches like they're hoping to. Is it almost a slap in the face to two of those? I mean, what, what do you guys think there? No, I, I don't think so. I think there's 
I mean, there's still promotions, like there's head assistants, there's pay raises, like if Oklahoma City really wants to keep a guy around, I think they'll find ways. Like like you've seen, you've seen I believe it's Brian Keefe that left the team and, and came back yeah, for a yeah, second right, stint. Like, New York. Yep. Like, like you see that happen and guys are going to go take other jobs and if they gravitate back, so be it. But I think I don't think it's a slap in the face to either OKC assistant or, or any other OKC assistant that hasn't been in the rumor mill. Um, for them not to get the head coaching job, I don't think it's a slap in the face. Even if they hire a 32-year-old, you know, I, I yeah, think it's more yeah. of... Just um, picking the right candidate. Yeah, sure exactly. Right, and who cares at that point? And, and not every guy wants to be a head coach. You also, know, like, that's, that's, a, that's also a lot of point. pressure. Also a good point. Maybe Keith is like, you know, I'm willing to talk to you guys about it, but I'm just still not sure this is for me. Uh, speaking of uh, OKC assistance, though, not to completely take us to a whole new topic, but uh, Mo Cheeks... It was announced a couple of days ago as leaving OKC to join Billy's staff, uh, go back to Chicago, where where Cheeks is from. I'm gonna yeah. miss him. So now too. the Thunder are out a head coach and the lead assistant, right? Which kind of ties us back into that conversation of, you know, maybe you hire from outside and you promote one of these guys from within up to the lead assistant position. Yep. I've also kind of wondered have the Thunder not announced a coach because that coach is already on staff and they're just uh, they're playing already the long working. game here. Yeah, that's fair. Right, um, so there's tons of options here, um, but I'm gonna go with uh, as far as these five or the field. I'm going with these five. I think it's gonna be one of these five. I do too. I do too. Um, it'll be interesting. I actually have a tweet out there uh, from a couple days ago. It, it actually was after Mo Cheeks left for Chicago, saying that I felt that we would probably have an OKC head, uh, Thunder head coach announce, announcement prior or before uh, the president is announced, and it is not aging super well right now. <laughs> um, I might be in trouble. With my prediction. Well, let me ask you this. Well, what will happen first? The Thunder hire a head coach or the trading window opens? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. I think they'll hire a coach before. Really? I think your 48 hours is a bit optimistic. I could see them opening it up a week before. Um, I mean, the drafts only shoot 12 days away anyway, so it's not like it's that much different. But no, I, I think coach first. I think like the trade window could open up on like Monday. I think that's what, like you said, Nick, at least give them the weekend weekend to kind of prepare and stuff, uh, start it on Monday and just kind of go from there. And I think the Thunder head coach gets announced next week. At this point, I kind of feel like next week. I was thinking it would surely be this week at this point last week, but um, I think I'm going to go with the trade window opening up first. I just want you guys to know that if we were actually betting money on this, we would all be broke. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because we've been wrong so many times with this. Uh-huh. And I think, I think it's going to be fun to listen. Once once a guy is hired, if it is before the draft and all this stuff, um, their, their introductory presser, although a lot of times those are pretty bland and, and vanilla, I'm curious what the tone is because obviously whoever they hire, they've talked a lot about That's a good point. the direction. I'm curious if he talks a lot about player development or if he talks about um, draft strategy. That's going to be a whole, or, a whole fun wrinkle we well, can talk about it, in the future. And if pod. you guys think that the trade window opens before the Thunder hire a coach, there might not be a Chris Paul to talk about whenever they right. do the introduction right. press conference. Exactly. Fair enough. You could be talking about rebuilding. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you mentioned, Jacob, if we were betting on all this stuff, actual money, we'd all be broke. But that's kind of like the beauty of Sam Presti and this Thunder organization. There's, I think it, it's there's a reason that Mark Stein is one of the only, there, not him specifically, but there's only been like one true report on uh, OKC coaching candidates because not a lot of people know and not a lot of people want to guess when it comes to Sam Presti and the Thunder. And uh, I find that really impressive. Totally off topic here on Chris Paul because Jacob mentioned him. It's you, I, I want to know if you guys agree with me or, or feel the same way. When he was traded for, we were all like, ugh, gross, Chris Paul, how do you root for this guy? And now, if he is traded this offseason or early next season, whatever it might be, although it's going to be fun to see what they get in return to start the rebuild, is it not going to be like, darn, like this? I'm going to miss this guy? Yeah. Isn't that crazy no, how that, that turns that, around? It is. It's yeah. extreme. I mean, it, yeah, Definitely. this time. And it was this time uh, last year that we were already, you know, However, uh, almost a month into the season, and uh, we're talking about, man, this Chris Paul, he's not nearly as bad as we thought. <laughs> we're starting to come around on him. All right. Well, guys, are you ready to talk some NBA draft? Ready. Always. We will, we will continue uh, kind of what we did last week or what you guys did last week while I was in the process of moving, which is uh, 
we're going to look at candidates for the Thunder in the draft. But this week, we're going to, instead of looking at candidates around 25, we're going to move up into uh, the the 10 through 24 range and kind of see who we like there. Uh, Before we do that, though, we want to take a quick moment, tell our listeners about our sponsors for the week. Even though sports had a break, your businesses didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Sounds like Sam Preston needs to use this for a new coach. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which show to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. 73% of online job seekers are visiting Indeed each month, so Indeed is going to find you that important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit. You get $75 off. To boost your job post means more quality candidates will see it. All you have to do is go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Again, that's a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, so go right now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through the end of the year. Football is back in full swing, even if some teams like Nick Stiles Cowboys are kind of in half swing right now. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on, on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, dudes, let's talk trade up candidates. If the Thunder cannot get to the top 10, but they are able to, let's say, trade 25 and Schroeder to get to 15. Who do you want? Who, who are you going with? Let's we'll just we'll just roundtable this. We'll keep going around, uh, and we'll start with Taylor. Yeah. So uh, when we were kind of coming up with how we wanted to frame this, did we want to do one episode uh, one week on guards, the next on wings, and uh, the last on bigs? Um, we decided we kind of would group them in terms of where these players would be picked. So the most likely where OKC just stays put, like we did last week. Uh, this week is kind of realistic trade up option. So. Um, unfortunately for Jacob, we probably aren't going to be talking much about Denny. We might save that for next week. <laughs> but one guy that I've been uh, really high on, probably kind of my draft crush. Uh, you guys have heard me mention him quite a bit. And this is because he was really the first prospect outside of guys that I watched this past season in college um, that I really kind of did some homework on and research on fairly early. And this was because, Nick, you had somebody uh, give you kind of an inside scoop that Sam Presti had been watching this player that I'm about to mention um, all the way back in like March and was really high on him and had been doing some research into him. And it does not surprise me. And the guy I'm talking about here is Tyrell Terry. Um, he's risen up draft boards quite a bit ever since then, really, just because uh, his high IQ, um, he's an elite elite shooter, super quick, super versatile, um, obviously needs to prove it on the defensive end and just gain size. But after growing, I think it was like two inches and putting on like 20 pounds, um, he certainly has improved in that regard, and that's helped his draft, draft stock as well. However, um, Kevin O'Connor still has him as low as 19, and our own uh, Blue Wire Jonathan uh, Wasserman also had him fairly low as well, which kind of surprised me where um, I've seen him as high as like top 12 in, in some mock drafts. Yeah, Wasserman has him 21 right now. Which is interesting. So this is a super realistic target i think if he is to fall in that range we could see sam pressy uh, trading up for i mentioned his iq both on and off the court you just listen to some of his interviews and you can tell this kid's incredible i say kid this young man is extremely intelligent um obviously there's a reason he, he went to stanford and you can definitely tell that but um 
There's a lot that excites me about Tyrell. I think he'd be a perfect fit next to a kind of a combo guard like Shea, where Tyrell is going to be more of a, a pure point guard. He does need to work a little bit on his uh, creating for others. You know, he he sees the court well, but sometimes forces passes. Um, he does need to work again, continue to get bigger and stronger and finishing around the rim. But he just possesses a lot of elite skills, and again, just a, seems like a presty kind of guy. Uh, so Tyrell Terry is is kind of my my guy, I think that I'd really like to see OKC move up in that range for if he is to fall on draft night. Isn't it funny how back whenever I had mentioned the Tyrell Terry stuff in March with Presty looking at him, he was like a 45 to 60, like back half of the second oh, yeah. round type yeah. guy. Like, like, remember, he was considering if he should even come into the draft because right. he wasn't sure if he was going to be a first round pick. And you guys were all replying like, he seems like he's way outside the first round. Like, I don't know about all that. And I think it goes to show... Uh, just how good Oklahoma City's front office is when it comes to evaluating talent. Like they were looking, I'm sure a lot of teams looking at this guy, but like Oklahoma City had shown interest in this guy way back when, and now he shot up mock drafts, like Taylor said, into the, like the top 10 or 12 range in some mocks. So like, just goes to show, you know, how long these guys are scouted and and. The Oklahoma City front office, like props to them for looking into him a long time ago. Well, that and just the oh, absolutely, that's a good point, Nick. You know, this that, I think that's the biggest thing that we should take away from all of this is that the uh, the OKC Thunder organization has definitely done their homework, and whoever they pick is somebody that they've researched a lot. Just like the case was for Baisley, um, you know, picking up Dort, <laughs> uh, signing him after the draft, uh, or just the most recent examples. Um, but oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I kind of lost my train, train of thought there. I took that a different direction. Uh, regardless, <laughs> I'm really excited about Tyrell. Oh, it, but just the uncertainty of this draft in general. Uh, you know, seeing seeing uh, people have Terry mocked as high as 10 or 12, but others having him in the Thunder's range. I think because of that, you know, we could see like a Tyrell Terry or an RJ Hampton, uh, guys of that nature, uh, Jaden McDaniels. Um, you could see guys like that kind of slip to OKC. They may not even have to trade up for some of these targets. I, I do like Tyrell Terry a lot, j- just before we move on. Um, at first, I think I, I mentioned to you guys in the Slack at one point, I said, is Tyrell Terry ceiling Seth Curry? And I was like, and if that's it, like that's really underwhelming. After watching his film breakdown with Mike Schmitz of ESPN, which let me tell you something. You you remember when uh, Mike and uh, I, I can't remember, Jonathan Gavoni, that's the yep. two guys, did Draft Express and they would do the, the weaknesses and strengths videos. Yeah, I love those. All on YouTube before they got hired by ESPN. And you'd watch the first half of the video, which was the strengths, and you'd be like, oh my God, this guy's going to be a 10-time All-Star. And then you watch the weaknesses, and you're like, holy shit, this kid's not even going to make it in the league. (laughs) I still get that from Mike Schmitz because he makes guys look so good. But after his breakdown with Tyrell Terry, I said to myself, this is CJ McCollum. Yeah, CJ, and that's that's one of the comparisons that Kevin O'Connor has for him. He's CJ McCollum. I'm, I'm, I'm in on Tyrell Terry. I am in. I like that. Ball handling, IQ elite level shooting uh sign me up sign me up Nick, also who, oh, cra- sorry go ahead sorry i was just gonna say also a crafty finisher around the rim uh would be really kind of fun to see him and shea both driving and just seeing all their you know shifty moves around the rim it's kind of be a yeah, fun also fun a good off ball defender uh lacks sure. size and strength to be a good on ball defender but he plays passing lanes incredibly well nick who is your trade up into the teens candidate no shocker here. I've talked about him quite a few times on the air and, and Slack and all that good stuff. RJ Hampton, Taylor yeah, alluded he's on to my earlier. Ooh, you're speaking my love language, um, buddy. He's, I think he's going to be a good player. He's been a really, really – he's one of those like high school draft prospects that was on the cover of you know magazines and played in the Jordan game, McDonald's All-American, like one of those just huge, huge recruits that skipped out on college to go do the overseas thing and played for the New Zealand Breakers and – played against the Thunder and all that good stuff, kind of like Luca did back in the day before he entered the league. But um, just his size, you know, he's he's 6'5". I think he's probably bigger than 6'5", that he's listed at. Um, a little on the skinny side, but he's, he's one of those guys that I think would be awesome next to Shea if you can implement a, a two-guard front court and both these guys are very, very oversized kind of jumbo guards. Like, sign me up for that. And I was actually able to join one of his pre pre draft pre combine interviews a few weeks back and just the 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 confidence he has in his own game and the awareness of 
what his strengths are. Like you listen to a lot of these guys, um, like Denny, for example, wasn't a great interviewer. His answers were, were really kind of weird. RJ had really, really good answers. You can tell he has IQ. He knows what he's going to be good at. And his athleticism is off the freaking charts. I'm not saying he's Russell Westbrook, but like, dude, he's a freak. And like almost like a different way. Yeah, he uses that like that first quick explosive step, um, just going 110% at all times. Um, he even uses it to like for his playmaking at times as well. Um, one thing that I found interesting that, that Kevin O'Connor mentioned was his playmaking potential. Uh, he makes some like incredible passes sometimes that kind of make your jaw drop, but other times he almost tries too hard to make those passes, which results in turnovers. Um, that's something I think can continue to improve. But I think one thing that we keep mentioning in these guards that we'd like to pair with Shea, which I think is an area that the Thunder should definitely be considering, is the fact that both Tyrell Terry and RJ Hampton, Hampton are both good off-ball players, which is something OKC hasn't really had a lot of um, in the in the past however many seasons. Guys who are moving off-ball, cutting, setting screens, uh, getting open without the ball. And guys like RJ and Tyrell Terry, who can do that, who are also, well, I guess, in, at least in Terry's case, um, are good shooters. I think that's huge for a, a another guard to play alongside Shea, that Shea can help set them up. Um, I think it's a really good combination there. I'm, I'm on the record uh, for a long time now of absolutely loving the idea of pairing Shea with another combo guard and not having a true point guard or shooting guard on the team, but having two guys that can share those duties, who can handle, who can shoot, who can play on ball, off ball, etc. RJ Hampton, I have liked the entire draft process. Uh, Nick, are you a believer in an RJ shot now after the the videos of him working out with Mike Miller and the the refined shot motion? Yeah, it's funny. I actually the guy that that shoots a lot of RJ's stuff uh, is one of my one of my buddies, and and he's even said like the you know, workout videos are workout videos, but he said a lot about you know his his mechanics and the way he's he's redone his shot is not you know obviously it's not going to be Marco Fultz like because that was obviously a, a train wreck, but. Um, like his shots real now and he wasn't a horrific shooter when he played overseas. Like he shot close to 30% from three, I think like 29.5%. Um, I think he's a guy that he's being slept on for that reason. If you're not a shooter in this league, it's hard for people to draft you. And if, if those mechanics are real, like what we're hearing from a lot of people, then he's a a great steal kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And part of this is because they look alike. Part of this is because I just believe it. I think RJ Hampton is what Dante Exum was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Kevin O'Connor. I think might have Max. Or, uh, might have um, him there as well for a player comp. I like that a lot. Uh, well, they they do kind of look like too. That's funny. Taylor, yeah, they look very similar. We we may have talked about this on last week's pod. I can't remember. Um, either way, Jacob, you were on, so I'd love to hear your thoughts in that interview with RJ Hampton um you know in the pre-draft process he was asked you know you've described a lot of your attributes your strengths your weaknesses who not necessarily who have you modeled your game after but if you had to give your own player comps who would they be and RJ said Zach Levine and Jamal Murray that's interesting yeah um I can see a little bit of the Zach Levine uh for sure yeah so I yeah I, the Murray I like, like flamethrower shooter scorer I, I don't know if I see that in Hampton um, but I, I see the see craftiness the, though yeah tr- the craftiness definitely and the off ball play yep um, RJ just seems like a Presty guy he does seem like a Presty long guy. lanky athletic the physical Gives tools are on there the defensive end needs some refinement with the shot uh, but can get there he just he seems like a Presty guy I would be so happy if they drafted RJ Hampton on draft night oh yeah I would too so definitely. happy okay well I'll go next then and I'll kind of keep our theme going here with guards um, you guys have mentioned two that were on my list so I'm going to go with the third that's on my list there's a chance the Thunder might, ha- might, bleh, might not have to move up too much to get this guy either guys I am coming around on Tyrese Maxey Oh, that, that was finally the one I was him next. I am coming around on Tyrese Maxey. I have him on my list also. He's been skyrocketing, not skyrocketing, but raising, uh, going up on mock drafts. I, I've seen quite a few of them now. That yeah, the, the kid can flat out play. And maybe, I, I'm not a huge draft guy, right? So I'm, I'm just talking out of my ass here. My ass is doing a lot of things on this podcast. I'm pulling <laughs> stuff out of it. I'm talking out of it. It's pretty incredible. incredible. I have a nice ass. Um, <laughs> Jake has been doing squats. 
<laughs> I, hey, I did squats today. My butt hurts. There you go. Um, I kind of buy into this this narrative that these Kentucky players don't really get to show off and showcase what they can do at Kentucky. And when they get to the league, they end up being more impactful than we saw in college. We saw it with Devin Booker. We saw it with Tyler Hero. We saw Hell, it with we Shea. saw it a little bit with, with Shea. We saw it a little bit with Carl Anthony Towns because he and, and Willie Cauley-Stein were sharing the front court together. Yep. Yeah, we saw it with Shea. We've seen it a little bit with Homie. Saw it with Bam. Yeah, we definitely saw it with Bam. It, it's like when they go to Kentucky, they are in this limited, confined role, right, because of, of how much talent is there. And then when they get to the league, they're they're given a chance to blossom. Now, I don't think Tyrese Maxey is going to be like a Tyler Hero or a Devin Booker. I honestly think he's more of like a Bradley Beal type player. But his defense, his length, uh, his playmaking ability, um, his ability to like hit big shots, even though his percentages were bad, I don't think he's that bad of a shooter. I think just looking at his percentages doesn't do his jump shot justice. I'm really coming around on Tyrese Maxey yeah. a lot. Now, one thing I, I've noticed, he's only six foot three. He's kind of short, but he has a six six wingspan. And he's 198 pounds. Uh, that's something Kevin O'Connor mentioned was his his strong frame and long arms. I mean, that just screams Sam Presti and uh, just a solid on ball defender that you compare next to Shea. Again, I know we're talking guards that you compare next to Shea. Maxey fits that. Also, a really good scorer off the dribble as well. So if he can refine that shot some, uh, continue to improve in that area, I think that opens up his game. Game, as well as others such as Shea I think again just another really good guard that you could pair alongside Shea that could be uh, a problem in the league for years let now. me let me ask you guys a question real quick because we've mentioned three guards now and we've said seems like they could play alongside Shea. Shea do these three guards that we've mentioned Tyrell Terry um, Tyrese Maxey and RJ Hampton are they those types of combo guards, or is it just that Shea is so fluid and and formable that you can really pair him with anybody? I think it's kind the of latter. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I think it might, might be a little bit of both. I think like we're seeing uh, in today's game, it's all about versatility. It, I mean, shit, we saw we saw Shea play the one, two, and the three for the Thunder this season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want guys that are versatile and can play multiple positions like Shea, like Bam Adebayo, right? Um, like Nikola Jokic, uh, a point center. I mean, you want guys that, that are versatile and can play different positions. And I think we're starting to see more and more players adapt to that and be able to do that. Um, and guards are no exception. But to Nick's point, I think that's the biggest driver of all this is that you can play Shea just about anywhere. He's about as vers- versatile as it gets. Um and I, I think that's a big driver. Hey, speaking, and we've been speaking of these guards. Just real quick, I wanted to point this out. Uh, Wasserman on Bleacher Report has Tyrell Terry going 21 to Philly. Um, Kevin O'Connor has him going 8th to, I don't know who is picking 8th, but he has him going 8th. Um, New York so, Knicks, partner. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Knicks. So Has who going 8th? Tyrell Terry. No, that's his That's his big board. He has oh. Terry going, I think, 19. I just saw. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, he had 19 to the Nets. I wanted to look at this real quick. Um, his uh, Tyrese Maxey, Kevin O'Connor's Tyrese Maxey comp, Kyle Lowry, Bradley Beal, Carson Edwards. Yeah. Those, One those of those things is not like the other. <laughs> Carson Edwards. He's built like Carson, so I get that comparison. Isn't Carson like five foot eight though? He's tiny. He's short, he's short but he's well, thick. Well, it's funny because... It's it's funny because like Tyrese Maxey going back to him like there's so much variability with him we've we've talked about the variability um, with Tyrell Terry like this really could be a draft that the guys we're talking about on tonight's show the trade up guys could all be like late first round guys still sitting there yeah still sitting 29. there when the, yep and then Sam Presti will shock true. us all and pick like uh, Pokashevsky like we talked about. Last week, Nick. Alexei Pokashevsky. <laughs> Very um, nice. All right. Do we have any more candidates we want to discuss? I do. I was going to say we can go uh, We can go away from guards. Nick, you, you can go first. Yeah. I mean, my guy's a weird tweener. I guess he's technically a guard, but I don't know if he's going to play guard in this league. Not that there's even guards anymore. There's like, there's like wings, there's creators, and there's bigs. But 
Devin Vassell from Florida State. Ah, I almost went that direction. Di- I, I kind of went that direction, but I have a different player okay, there. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about Devin Vassell definitely, um, but I just want to throw out that that my next one uh, was the other Florida State wing. Ooh, Patrick Williams. Patrick I have Williams. him as well. I have him. My, 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 mine was Aaron uh, Nysmith uh, from Vanderbilt. Well, uh, Jacob, that, that Vassell might be more of a wing than, than – or more than a guard than a wing or a tweener, where Patrick Williams may be – might play center in the league, honestly. The way the the league is trending with guys like like Bam Adebayo and yeah, that's, uh, and that's others. true. It's kind of crazy. I just think like, I mean, Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell could easily be like top ten guys that aren't even in this range we're supposed to be talking about tonight. But again, things are going to change a lot. Devin Vassell, I'm not even interested in like. Oh, I am interested. He he can shoot the ball. He's got kind of a weird shot. He's a lanky guy, but like he can he can score the ball. He can shoot. Um, he's he's a tweener guy. But for me, it's the defense. Like his length and his ability to block shots and force turnovers and you know adjust the the or not adjust like like make a huge impact on defense. I think in the league will be very very natural to him and. Dude, sign me up for defense. Lou Dort, Shea, like if you oh, can man, get if wild. you can get a if you can get a, a young crew of guys that can play D and let the offense come later, you're golden. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I Vassal just seems to be projected pretty high in, in all mock drafts I've seen. I was I'm pretty I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, where guys like Sadiq Bay and Nye Smith, guys like that are, are a little lower, uh, more in, in the trading if OKC were to trade up a couple positions, I think those are the kind of guys that'd be available. But I'm with you there. I mean, I, just the, the epitome of a three and D player. Uh, like you said, he even can play some guard as well, some shooting guard if you wanted to shoot. Maybe even some small ball four. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, um, Vassal's interesting. I, I'm going to make my pitch for Patrick Williams real quick. Not I even 19 years old yet. Six eight with a six eleven wingspan, two twenty five. He's got a massive frame. He can fill out. Uh, he incredibly nimble. Uh, shot 84% from the free throw line, guys. Like, he's got a touch. Yep. And he didn't get to show it off a lot at Florida State, but he he's got some vision bench. and some passing. Wild. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, – uh, I'm looking here. Kevin O'Connor has him comped to Danilo Gallinari and P.J. Tucker. Um, if you combine those two guys, holy shit. Like, you've got a player. To me, he looks a little bit like – physically, he looks like a Serge Ibaka who's got basketball IQ and handles. Yeah, that's interesting. And I just, again, he screams a Presty type guy to me. If your front court could be um, Patrick Williams and Darius Baisley, two oh, guys man. that can kind of grab off the rim and go, who can play make, and then you have Talk Shea there as well. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, how, how you, tall is he? He's 6'8, he's 6'11 six, eight. Six, eight, wingspan, currently 225. But I bet once he spends a few years in the league and fills out his frame, he's probably he probably plays at 240. Crazy. Um, so actually, thirty-two percent from three on fifty attempts this past season. Eighty-four percent from the free throw line. Uh, Nine point two points, uh, one assist per game. You know what's interesting, Jacob? You mentioned him being a pressy guy, and yes, definitely. But to that point, I was listening to the uh, Ryan Rosillo podcast, and he had Kevin O'Connor on talking about draft picks. And Rosillo said that he's been hearing uh, Patrick Williams and the Spurs linked just like constantly. Like Spurs are all locked in. They want him at whatever pick they have, like 11. Yeah, they have uh, 11 pick. So uh, apparently they're all in on Patrick Williams at 11, according to Rosillo. And I actually saw that elsewhere too in a mock draft. Somebody said that the Spurs were super high on Patrick and he would just thrive in that um, in that environment. Uh, kind of a raw talent, even all the talent that he's shown. Um and all the skill that he possesses, I think there's still a lot of refining that needs to be done. So going to an organization like a San Antonio or a OKC, I think could be great for him. I mean, we could be talking about him as maybe one of like the top five players from this draft three, four, yeah. or five years from now. And again, not, he's not even going to be 19 when he gets drafted. That's yeah, that's big. Very, very young. Perfect for a re- rebuilding team. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I I personally I like Patrick Williams more than I like Devin Vassell. If I got a chance to pick of the two, I'd probably take Patrick Williams just because I think there's more uh, upside there um, if he hits his peak than than Vassell. I think Vassell's peak is like a a solid three and D role player in the league. I think if Patrick Williams like hits hits, he could be um, like I said like like a more intelligent like basketball IQ Serge Ibaka. Uh, he could be like a lesser version of a Bam Adebayo. 
I, I just, I like his potential a lot. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I kind of even like him more, I think, than uh, Okoro from, I'm probably butchering that, from Auburn. Isaac Okoro, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and he just always mocks so high and everything I see, just like people, I guess, kind of consensus, they view him as one of the best wings in the draft, but I'm not so sure about that, or one of the top wings, I should say. So, um, Taylor, who was, who was your second guy that you wanted to talk about? Uh, Aaron I. Smith. I was just, I, for very similar reasons, um, just a super versatile three and D player who, uh, he's, I, I just accidentally exited out of this, but, um, also long, long wingspan, tall, um, pretty uh, thick, not thick frame, I should say, but, um, just, I, I think he'd be just the perfect three to play alongside a guy like Shea, um, on both ends of the ball honestly. And uh, I probably one of the best shooters in the draft. I mean, he can just pull up from just about anywhere. I was watching highlights of his uh, here a couple weeks ago. It's just wild. Just Have you seen his stroke. percentages, Taylor? No. They are stupid. Okay, listen to this. Like This this almost sounds like it's not real. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, they are terrible. I was like, no, what do you no, no, mean? No. He's an I, incredible I shooter. I know it's a small <laughs> sample size. He only played in 14 games last season. Um he shot I'm going to tell you the percentage guess how many threes he took oh, he man. shot 52.2% from three <laughs> guess how many oh, he took a game it was like eight, eight a game or something 8. like that 8.2 52.2% on 8.2 threes a game I do Holy remember seeing crap. that per game yeah that's wild are you kidding me that's like yeah that's insane there, there's players who don't even sh- who attempt 10 shots, shot attempts a game right twos and don't even have a higher percentage holy crap yeah he's dude. a flamethrower absolute flamethrower um, and it just would, it, it kind of like, it, it's interesting, right? Because he possesses the, uh, physical attributes that Sam Presti usually, uh, kind of covets when it comes to draft time, but he's unique in the sense that he's a pretty elite offensive scorer, which oftentimes guys like that, you know, the Dre's, um, honestly, the Dorts, they aren't so much It's very, they're, they're more just the pure athletes and, um, sometimes scores mainly really good defenders. Well, in the case of Nysmith, I think he's a little bit of all the above. Um, he's not nearly the playmaker. He's not good off the dribble. Um, he does struggle some defensively, I think, when it comes to, like, a, a Kevin O'Connor, I think, mentioned smaller, quicker guards. But regardless, I think he, uh, Danny Green, uh, he's taller, Buddy Hill. Uh, I, I think he'd be, he'd be really fun to watch. I think he's kind of a Tyler Hero kind of guy we'll be, we'll be talking about next year come playoff time. If he gets up with a playoff team, I think he could can, could contribute because of that versatility and that shot shot making. It's fascinating. So we've gone through six trade-up candidates, guys, for the uh, either late, very late lottery or into the teens. Uh, and I think we all think that the six we talked about, there's a very strong possibility at least one or two of them are going to be there come pick 18, 19, 20. Uh, so some opportunities for the Thunder there if they decide to trade up. Trade up. We have one more pre-draft show to go before we do the actual freaking draft. Crazy! It's almost here. It's coming two up weeks, quick. Two weeks from tonight, boys. It That's is exciting. almost here. Yo, oh, I am so ready. We're all gonna. I know we're all in like different cities and stuff, but we should definitely like. Maybe we'll even do it like as like a special thing for the podcast where we're we'll all like get on a joint Periscope together or a Zoom or something. Yeah, yeah. And let I like people that. like tune in and hang out with us while we watch the draft. That'd be cool. Uh, especially be a lot the, of fun. Yeah, do like a virtual watch party since we can't do an actual watch party. Yeah, definitely. Man, we had an actual watch party set up for the playoffs. You yep. remember that? Yep, we did. We did. COVID can go to hell. We were thinking about going sure. to summer league this summer. Just COVID, COVID can go straight to hell. a lot of things for us. Yep. Yes. Token 2020. So, awesome. Well, gentlemen, anything you want to say before we get out of here? I just can't wait for, for NBA news to keep trickling out. Uh, seems like we're getting closer and closer and more and more news starting to come out. But like you said, Jacob, I think uh, as soon as the players come to an agreement, and trades are allowed to happen again. I'm excited. I'm telling you, man, 48 hours. Quote me. Quote me. Tweet it out. 48 <laughs> hours. Sources. Friday night, we'll be rocking this thing. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in the Uncontested. We appreciate you, whether you've listened a thousand times or just this once. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please go drop a five-star rating on iTunes for us. Super simple. Open up the podcast app on your phone. Click the uncontested. Scroll down to the stars. Click all five. Maybe write a nice word or two in there. We've gotten a handful recently, and we appreciate you guys so much for that. We will be back with you again for our typical Sunday night slash Monday morning episode. I think we're going to have some news to talk about. 
We might even be emergency podcasting before then. Who knows? So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.